Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. We thank you that we can come into your presence this beautiful Sunday morning. We thank you. We thank you that you are here with us. May you speak to us, Lord. May you show yourself strong and mighty on our behalf. And may we live here better than we came in. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So today we begin a new series on the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. The secrets of the kingdom. Uh, when you don't know the secret to something, when you don't know, you, know, you sit behind the computer for hours, not knowing that there is a shortcut, <laughs> that you just have to press function something and everything will be done for you. Life is easier when you have the keys. Amen. When you know the secrets. Amen. A few weeks ago, we were in church. Yeah. Worship was going on, worshiping. And I heard the Holy Spirit saying, you have to discourage the pauper spirit. And I was like, what's a pauper spirit? It's a beggar spirit. What's that? You know. And Naturally, when you hear pauper or beggar, you think of poor people, isn't it? He said, no, it's not about poor people at all. It's a spirit that only likes to receive and never gives or hardly ever gives. So when you're walking by the roadside and a beggar knocks on your window, they don't ask you what they can do for you. In fact, they won't even, nowadays you may find some children who will try to wipe your windscreen. But typically, a beggar only comes with their arms open, waiting to receive. You know. Sometimes, they will sit by the roadside, would have a bowl or an umbrella or something, and it is just to receive. It has nothing to do with their financial status. In fact, I've heard stories of some of them owning property and all that. I don't know. I haven't interviewed them. You know. But those of us who work in the NGO space know of something called donor fatigue. You go to certain communities where a community that is used to receiving, only receiving. So you go into the community and everything is donated by donated by, the borehole was donated by, the school was donated by, everything is donated by. And sometimes, you get offended at their attitude. You know, because they don't give back. In fact, sometimes you see a borehole that has just a little problem and the community will abandon it. Sometimes you find out it will cost them less than 100 cities or 200 cities to fix it they will abandon a totally functional borehole 
because another NGO will come and donate another one. And you can be part of a nation that has a pauper spirit. A nation that only postures itself to receive. You know. The nation's whole posture is what can other people give to us? Foreign investors. Relatives abroad sending in money. Everything is about just receiving, receiving, receiving. Sometime last year, I was in another country and I was with a team. It was quite a big team. And the first evening, first night we went for dinner, it was a buffet. A lot of food just for us. And I noticed people, everybody ate. And people still packed food. Basically, people hoarded food. And those of us who saw a lot of food and were like, oh, let me eat a little. And you know, I don't need to heap my plate. If I'm not full, I'll go back. By the time you stood up, everything was gone. And then I saw people leaving with bags, polythene bags of food, even though they had eaten. And we were, they were part of a team that we were feeding breakfast, lunch, and supper. So actually, and we were not in their city. You understand? So imagine me traveling with a team from here and going to Sunyane. Okay? And the project we are doing in Sunyani, we are lodging in hotels. And when you wake up, there is breakfast. And then mid midday, we have lunch. And then when the day is over, we go to our hotel shower and we go for dinner. So actually, there is no opportunity to starve. And people were still hoarding. And then I noticed that the leader of the hoarding gang, I, I didn't know at the time, but I had to address it one evening. And I noticed or found out later that the leader of the hoarding gang was a pastor's wife. First, I was surprised. But then later it hit me that actually the people most guilty of a pauper spirit tend to be pastors and their families. Why? Because, you see, when you're a pastor, you get used to receiving. You know, of course, God will use people to bless you, and that is great. But if you're not careful, you stand in the pulpit and preach about tithe and offering, but you actually never give yourself. You know, you, you get used to people coming to the mission house and they'll bring some bread and say, God bless you, may God increase you. And then somebody will bring you some shirt, say, God bless you, may God increase you. Somebody will bring you a dress, God bless you, may God increase you. And if your children are there and they are watching and you don't teach them, you don't intentionally teach them to give, they will develop a proper spirit. So you feel so entitled and so aggrieved that people are not giving. But you yourself don't give. You don't give. God said we should discourage a pauper spirit. You, you can have a million dollars in your bank and still steal money that is meant for orphans if you have a pauper spirit. 
nothing will ever be enough because you have a posture. In fact, we have a culture where when, when I was a student and, you know, young man, and you are looking, you know, everybody's looking for their better half at a certain age. And you hang out with this lady and hang out with that lady. And then when I started hanging out with Gloria, I noticed, to my surprise, that she was the only lady I befriended on campus who would give. Because we have a culture that teaches girls that their job is to sit in the car and go to the restaurant and just eat and say thank you. And sometimes they would even pack some for their roommates. So a lot of our daughters don't know how to give because we don't teach them. You know, and, and, and when they reach that age where they start dating, men try to take advantage of them because they give them little things. You know, they try to sleep with them because they bought them fried rice, because they bought them a car. Now, before he bought that car for you, you were not stuck in your room. You were moving around. And why would you even think that you need a man before you can get a car or you can get a house or you can get anything? That is a pauper spirit. It is not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ is a very giving spirit. That's why when you go to a restaurant with a white person, uh, today our white friend didn't come, so I can say this, and the bill comes, and they automatically take it to the white person. Why? Because the African is not expected to, to give. Because even our politicians will wear three-piece suits and go out there and beg. In fact, national anthem, I beg. If you're a Ghanaian, you know how to say I beg. And God says we should discourage it. The secrets to the knowledge of the kingdom of God. So in Matthew chapter 13, there's a story of Jesus speaking to people in parables again. And this time it was the parable of the sower. We preach so much. Well, I've preached so much from Matthew chapter 13. You should be fed up with it by now. But at the end of that conversation, at the end of that parable, the Bible says in verse 10 to 12, that the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, this is verse 11 of Matthew chapter 13. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. Amen. There is a certain knowledge of the secrets to the kingdom of heaven. And it says that if you are a child of God, if you are a follower of Christ, these secrets have already been given to you. So if we have these powerful secrets, where are they? He continues in verse 12. 12, and he hints at the very first one of it. He says, whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is the first secret. The first secret of the kingdom is that everybody has something to give. Listen to the language. He says, whoever has, the person who has, shall be given more. 
and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, there are some people who claim they don't have. He says, but those who claim they don't have, even what they have will be taken from them. If you, don't, if you truly don't have, it shouldn't be possible to take anything from you, isn't it? So basically what Jesus is saying is that there is no person who has nothing to offer. Amen. So when we talk about discouraging a proper spirit, it is not about financial poverty. It's not about economic hardship. It's about a spirit of generosity. Amen. Before we show up, people come here, clean the place, spray alcohol on every single seat, wipe every single seat. Something they start in the past, they used to just clean them. But because of COVID, now they spray alcohol on every single seat, wipe it down, clean it, do the same to this, do that. Somebody make sure we have elements for communion. You understand? You don't need money to come and clean chair. <laughs> you get my point. Like, so when we talk about giving, it's not about those who can give money. You can, everybody has something they can give. Some can just give you a smile. And sometimes in life, all you need is a smile. Sometimes it is all you need. Sometimes all you need is a kind word. All you need is somebody who will notice you. What do you have that you can give? So you notice that once you get into the secrets of the kingdom, there are three things, three levels that God expects of his children. The first one is giving. Giving in all its forms, but having a mindset and attitude that gives. The second one is growing that which you receive, stewardship. So as much as the Bible is big on giving and encourages us to give, there are times when Jesus will tell you, don't cast your pearls before swines. In the parable of the talents, in Matthew chapter 25, a similar Analogy, the one Jesus made in Matthew chapter 13 is made when he also talks about the parable of the talents. Let me read it. He says, why didn't you deposit, this is the, the, this is the master, the king speaking to the, the third servant who hid the talent and didn't grow it. Okay. So the first person got five talents and they grew to ten. The second one got two, they've multiplied it to four. And then this master is talking to this third one who got a talent and they went to hide it. He says, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bucks of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. 
Now, throw this useless servant into utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Same principle. The one who thinks, oh, me, I don't have, oh, you know, as for me, oh, as for, you know, oh, you are the people abroad. Oh, you know, so, uh, say, what little you have will be taken from you. Listen, sometimes when people are suffering, it's not the devil. It is because they haven't learned to tap into the secrets of the kingdom. So you pray and you fast and you bind the devil, but the source of your suffering is a pauper spirit. You don't give. And when God trusts you with anything, you don't grow it. Stewardship is accountability for that which you have received. You were born beautiful. I mean, you haven't done surgery. You haven't done Botox. You, you are just beautiful. Well, what are you using your beauty for? You can run. Right from childhood, you are the fastest kid. Your parents couldn't cut you to lash you. No, what are you doing with that ability? There is so much we have that we just received. You know, good education. I, 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 I never paid my own school fees. S some people had to. You know, I pity them. You know, between parents paying and scholarship, next thing you see, you have university-level education. What are you doing with it? You have received it. What are you doing with it? You are not looking for a husband. Somebody saw you and said, hey, the way your neck is cut like fried or bottle, uh, I, I can't get over you, you know. <laughs> marry me, marry me. And you marry them. And next thing you know, you, you, you have a home. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with your blessing? The certificates are on your wall. Everybody can say you have this cum laude and this and this and professional this. But what are you doing with it? Because education, the education is not an end in itself. Getting a PhD, getting a master's, getting, that is not an end in itself. It is a means to an end. Education is a means to fulfilling destiny. Amen. So what are you doing with it? Because you, you have received it. You all sat in the science class. Somebody just couldn't understand what was being taught. They were more studious and they still managed to fail. You slept your way through university and still qualified. This confession time. I know people, there are people in this room who are in university together. They learned harder, but I did better. Oh, they studied, oh, <laughs> but I did better. What, what am I doing with it? So three things we do in the kingdom. Everything God has given us, he expects us to grow. Amen. Every talent, you're supposed to grow it. And you're supposed to give. And the final thing is that you're supposed to replicate yourself. You're supposed to make more like you. This is why our calling is to discipleship. To go out there and make disciples. It's not just to give a little here charity and, and lock ourselves somewhere away from society. No. There's a story 
in Genesis. In fact, a lot of stories in Genesis about Abraham. And Abraham is a great example of a man who understood the secrets to the kingdom of God. In Genesis 22, the Bible begins with sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Like God was there and said, oh, Abraham, let me give him a test. Not like when your teacher is bored and comes to class and just decides that. Back then they used to call it mental, you know, like math. And you have a king. Two times seven. Hey. <laughs> Six X minus two X and, and the cane is waiting. Like it's almost as if his desire is that you get it wrong because the cane is hanging over your head. I prefer the English ones. You know, they will do an English quiz. And sometimes they will say a word like maintenance. So maintain. They see you, pa, 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 two, three. I didn't like tests. Probably some of you did, I didn't. In fact, I didn't like school. So when I saw Genesis 22, I said, God, why are you behaving like some of these teachers? So sometime later, God decided, you know, let me test Abraham's faith. So he called him, Abraham. Yes, Lord, he replied, here I am. He says, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. And God wanted him to know it, so he made it echo. You know? well, it was a Nigerian movie. So Abraham, take your son and... Your only, only son. Sacrifice, vice, 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 vice. Him, him, him. <laughs> yeah, that's a <some> reverb. <laughs> but what, what stood out for me was the first sentence in verse 3. Verse 3 begins with the next morning, Abraham got up early. When God decides to test you with giving, you have to respond immediately. If you let it pass, if you let time pass, you won't do it. If you sit down to analyze and think it through and, you know, <laughs> go through your ledgers and consult and consult, you miss God. Early in the morning, the Bible says, the next morning, Abraham got up early, quick, went about to do it. And you discover from scripture that there is nothing major that happened that wasn't triggered by giving. Solomon becoming king and having the most amazing kingdom ever in Israel's history. It was triggered by giving. I can, I can give example after example after example. It was in this experience that God showed to Abraham his name, Jehovah Jireh, 
I'm the God who provides. Amen. That experience is from God deciding to test him. And God's words to Abraham was, now I know that you fear me. Now I know that you love and revere me. Now I know that you respect me. Giving us a secret to experiencing certain levels of blessing. It's almost as if, now when we come to Christ, sozo, as part of the salvation package, God gives us everything. But if you look at the scriptures, it appears as though certain manifestations can only be triggered by certain actions. So the dimensions of spiritual experience you would only have when you fast and pray. As long as you don't fast and pray, the deposit is in you, but you're never going to catch it. There are certain levels of blessings and spiritual experience that will only be triggered by giving. The deposit is in you, but until you give, if Abraham hadn't given, he would never have known that God's name is Jehovah Jireh. It took him giving his son to experience that. Many times Christians love to debate on tithing. You know, but in the story of the first account of tithing in the Bible, there is some deep revelation that I think every Christian needs to know. In Genesis chapter 14, this same, at the time, he was Abram, same guy. And the Bible says in from, from verse 17 that after Abram returned from defeating Kedolaoma and the kings, and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Amen. So a lot of the times, churches will teach you that bring the tithe and offering and God will bless you. That is placing the cart before the horse. Actually, you bring the tithe and the offering because God has blessed you. Amen. Let's get the order right. When Melchizedek, this king, his name means king of justice. The name Melchizedek means king of justice, but he was king of Salem. And Salem means peace. Amen. When we go to Hebrews chapter 7, we'll discover that this man had no beginning and no end. So actually, he's a manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament. And when he showed up, he, this manifestation of Christ, this king and priest, He's the only person who manifests as king and priest at the same time. When he shows up, he was the one who offered this man who was coming from war and must have been hungry and tired and wounded. He was the one who offered him bread and wine and then blessed him before Abraham paid tithe to him. Amen. We give because we are blessed. It's important to understand that. Yes, it is true. When we give, 
it unlocks certain spiritual doors and somehow we receive more. But first and foremost, we were already blessed. That's why we could give. Amen. And actually, if we go to, let's, let's read Hebrews. Otherwise, you think I'm, I'm making this story up. In Hebrews chapter 7, time is fast spent today. You have to forgive me. But I came, I came prepared. <laughs> so, <laughs> chapter 7. Today, I've become Pastor Kujo. This Melchizedek, <laughs> this Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice. And king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors. No beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the son of God. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognizes by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now the law of Moses required that the priests, who are descendants of Levi, must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham. And Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promises of God. And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. The priests who collect tithes are men who die. So Melchizedek is greater than they are because we are told that he lives on. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, the ones who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. For although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. Amen. The Bible is telling you that when Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek, spiritually, what was happening is that God was shifting the priesthood from the tribe of Levi, from a carnal ancestry to a spiritual one. Amen. So, up until then and for the longest time after, afterwards, to be a priest of God, you had to come from Aaron. You had to be a descendant from Aaron or Moses because they were all from the tribe of Levi. They were all descendants of Levi. But Melchizedek, this priest and king, was not even an Abrahamic seed. He was not from Levi. He was a much superior priest because unlike the other priests, he never dies. Okay? And the Bible says that when Abraham was paying the tithe, to God, it was Levi. Basically, God was saying, the Bible is saying that in that giving, God saw four generations ahead or four generations after Abraham paying tithe. Can you imagine an investment you can make that will go four generations after you? And God will say that this giving your great-great-grandmother made your great-great-grandfather made. Because of that giving, I am blessing you. 
So when we give, it, is, it, it goes beyond. And that's why we have to watch all these doctrine on giving and we use it as an immediate, a short-term to medium-term solution to our problems. No. When you give to God, not to me, not to know, to God, the effect is transgenerational. Amen. When Abraham was given to Melchizedek, Melchizedek wasn't broke. Today we have this uh, doctrine and theology where we say, oh, uh, start giving to church, you know, find some poor people, find some orphanage. Melchizedek wasn't broke. He wasn't hungry. The man brought bread and wine. It was Abraham who was hungry. And yet God says, that blessing is what shifted the priest because Melchizedek is a representative of Christ. And today, Christ is our high priest. The reason why Christ became our high priest is from that transaction Melchizedek had with Abraham on that day. So Christ is our high priest who stands at the right-hand side of God and intercedes on our behalf daily and never dies. This is deep. It, it requires more time to truly grasp it. Amen. And I'm saying, beloved, that the secrets to the kingdom, when Jesus, in Matthew 25, when he, he talked about it, no, in Matthew 13, fundamentally he was actually speaking about knowledge. And so the secret is to the kingdom, it's knowledge. And those who don't have it, well, whatever little they have will be taken from them. But those who have it, and basically to have it means to apply it, more will be given to them. Amen. And then in the parable of the talents, we realize that that same, principles, that same principle applies beyond knowledge to money, to everything else. Amen. Today, we haven't even done communion, and I've gone way past time. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. May you help us. May you help us, Lord. Help us. Help us understand that these principles are there for our benefit. And yet, even though people exploit them and abuse them, your word itself never fails. May we be doers of your word and not just hearers only. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.